0: Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Go ahead and be seated. He's good. I said he's good. All the time. In the good times, in the bad times, he's still good. Amen? Praise God. Let me share something with you that came out in the first service this morning. Um, Many times people subconsciously, without even realizing it, doubt that statement that we're singing in this song, that God is good. And the reason being is that most people measure their attitude or have formed their attitude about God based on their life experience, not based on the word. And so what ends up happening is because, well, let me ask you this question. How many of you have had some tough times in life? Just a few of us, huh? <laughs> and, and how many times are we tempted to turn to God and say, well, you know, how, how did you let this happen? How, how, you know, where were you? Where have you been? You know, what are you doing? And, and what ends up happening is when we start blaming God for the things that man has done, your, your relationship with him is going to get, it's going to get weird. Because you're, you're, you're basing it on something that's not true. Here's, here's what I want to say. I addressed this issue in the first service. That many people have this habit of saying that God is in control. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands whether you believe that or not. But the fact of the matter is, life shows us that God's not in control. Like, oh, I can't believe you said that, Pastor. Hold on a second before you start throwing anything, okay? If God was completely 100% in control, there'd be nobody in hell. If God was completely 100% control, in control, there'd be nobody sick. There'd be no accidents, no calamities, no poverty, no nothing. Everything would be perfect. But God did something early on. He gave mankind free choice. And most of the stuff that you're going through and I'm going through, most of the things that come to us in life that are just disastrous are the result of somebody's choice. Amen? Amen. There would be no wars. There would be no lack if God was 100% control. But if God was 100% control, we'd be robots. He's given us free choice because He loves us. And in that free choice... Unfortunately, there is the risk that somebody's going to make the wrong decision and it's going to affect everyone around them in life. So please, stop blaming God for the things that mankind has brought into this world. Stop blaming God for sickness and disease. Stop blaming God for poverty and lack. It was never God's plan for us to be subject to that. Adam and Eve made choices. Those choices have affected all of mankind since that time. Okay? And I hope you get that straight now. Bottom line is this. God is good. 100% of the times. God is good. Get that settled in your heart. Amen? Amen. Because sometimes we might be tempted to sing a song like this, just, it's what everybody else is saying, so let's say the same thing, even though we don't believe it. No, believe it. It's the goodness of God that has caused you to be here today. Amen. You're sitting in this chair. Those of you that have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God came up with that plan. God put the mechanism together that mankind could come to the point in their heart to make the, come to the conclusion, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus has died on the cross to pay for my sins. Therefore, I choose to receive Jesus Christ. You and I could not do that on our own. God put that mechanism in our heart. He created us that way, to respond to him by faith. Let's turn to somebody and say, by faith. By faith. Say, turn to somebody and say, it's all about faith. All about faith. Amen? Amen? So we're starting this series off, um, Songs of Summer. And we chose this song, God, You're So Good, um, because I thought it was a good place to start out with in this message, in the, in this series. You see, what we're doing is we're, we're taking songs and we're breaking them down and going into the Scriptures so that next time you sing that song, after we've sat through this teaching today, that song's going to mean, I'm believing God anyway, that that song's going to mean something much more than what maybe it has meant in the past. Amen? Amen. It's said that we are what we eat. Has anybody ever heard that statement? Yes. We are what we eat. Just me and one other person. How many people have heard that statement? We are what we eat, And we understand what that means. But the same can be said about us spiritually. We become what we speak. Or in this case, I will say, we become what we sing. What a group of people sings is extremely, very critically important. And that's why many times, we just don't throw songs up there. We make sure that the songs are lining up spiritually and uh, biblically correct and biblically accurate. We don't want to be singing things. Why is that? Because singing is extremely important. God knew us. He made us. He created us in such a way that we, we attach ourselves to certain things that we sing. Okay? The business world discovered this many, many, many decades ago. That's why you rarely see a TV commercial without it having a song attached to it. Without, um, If you grew up in my age, not, not, it's not that long ago. Um, you would know the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. Does anybody remember it? How does it go? Oh, I love to be an Oscar Mayer Wiener That is what I really want, or truly want to be, because if I was an Oscar Mayer Wiener everyone would be in love with me. 50... 60 years ago. But you understand my point? I'm not pushing on to my wieners. <laughs> but you understand my point? See, even the world understands how important it is. for If they can get us to sing something, they'll get us to buy something. That the idea did not originate with them. That idea goes back. This God created us this way. We respond to these things. Our soul responds to music. This is the way he made us because we are supposed to use that not to sing about a hot dog, but to sing about God Almighty. Amen? Okay, so watch this now. Extremely important. So worship, we've got to understand, is an attitude as well as as an action. It's an attitude. It's an inner attitude. It's a position. It's a stance that we take. I'm talking about worship. Now, the first mention of the word in Hebrew, "shachah" that translates worship in English, is found in Genesis chapter 22. And that's an interesting chapter for it to be found in because that's the chapter where God challenges Abraham to sacrifice his son, the one that he's been waiting for decades. You guys remember the story? Genesis 22, verse 4. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, and we will worship, and we will what? We will worship. We will what? We will worship, and then we'll come back to you. There's a whole teaching right there, but we don't have time for that today. Here, Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his own son is considered worship. Now, the first time the word Shaka is found in Genesis, it's in, ver- it's in chapter 18, way before this incident took place. There, the Hebrew word is translated bow, to bow down to the ground. It's the same word. So the ancient Hebrew, when they heard the word Shaka, which we would translate as worship, they heard bowing down. And that's the stance. That's, that's what we should be doing on the inside when we're worshiping, when we just got done singing these songs that we sang, what was the position of your heart? I'm not asking you to explain it, just think about it. Were you here, with the position of your heart on the inside, were you here like this? Uh, how many songs are they gonna sing this morning? <laughs> and uh, I don't like this one. I wish they would sing the one I like. <laughs> and I've said this before and I'll say it again. You notice there's no tip jar on the keyboard, okay? We're not singing for us, we're singing for him, amen? amen. And, and we, we put an emphasis on that because you really think this is the only time that when we're singing, when we're worshiping, it's the only time in the service that's set apart for him. Everything else is for us. And so please, may, take, take, take note of what your position is on the inside during worship where we're singing, while we're lifting our hands. Are you there like, I forgot to pay my bill? Um, did I shut the gas off? Uh, stop, just resist the temptation to, oh man, uh, I got to go to work this week. And just, uh, I didn't take my vacation yet. So Resist the temptation to drift off during that time, please. For your sake and for God's sake. The position on the inside is to bow down. In other words, God, and during this time, I'm making myself less. I am taking a subservient uh, position here because I want my worship, my singing, my words, I want them to lift you up so that, as we sang before, that Christ would be what? Magnified. Well, what does it mean to be magnified? To make it bigger than what it would normally is. Yes or no? Amen. That's what we should be doing in worship, okay? Okay. So now watch this. In in chapter 18, when that word first shows up, that we translate as worship, which really in Hebrew says, bow down, the first time it appears is even more interesting than Genesis 22. Genesis 18, verse 1. I'm just paraphrasing these verses. The Lord appeared to Abraham. What does Abraham do? He ran from the entrance of his tent Bow to the ground. There's that word, shakha. Bow to the ground and said, "My Lord, if I have found favor with you, please do not go on past your servant." In other words, I'm bowing myself. Uh, I'm making myself less than you. Please come and take, take come and make yourself available to my hospitality. In other words, honor me with your hospitality. I'm honoring you with my hospitality. God. Abraham's stance was God honor my household, honor me with your presence. That's what we should be doing in worship. Hallelujah, pastor, this is so good. (laughs) If you're not taking the stance of God, I'm not just here to sing a song. God, I'm not just here to hear a song. I'm here because I want to invite you to come and take advantage of and come and expose yourself to my hospitality, the hospitality of my heart. Listen to me. This hit me as I was putting these notes together. Abraham, Abraham received revelation centuries before the writer of Psalms said, "For you inhabit the praises of your people. Abraham got that revelation way before the Psalms were written. Hundreds of years. The fact of the matter is this. When we praise God, when we worship God, his presence manifests. Are you listening to me? So do you think it's important what we sing? Yes, it is. We want to make sure that we're singing the right things. And listen, regardless of what life experience has been about, God is good and we're going to sing that God is good. Not blindly. Not clichéishly because that's what everybody is saying. No, because the scriptures tell us this, he has shown himself to be good to us and we're going to sing that. Amen? Amen. All right. You ready? Yes. Let's get into this song. I'm just going to read through the lyrics and then we're going to go through that and go through some scripture. The title of the song is God, you're so good. Amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that brought with that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving. God, you're so good. And then it goes on, you know that. Behold the cross, age to age, and hour by hour. The dead are raised, the sinner saved, the work of your power. And then it goes into this declaration that is so extremely important because what we're declaring. Is how God has manifested his goodness towards us. I am healed. I am called. Uh, uh, excuse me, I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I'm whole. I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. That, that, that is a song. That, that's one of the most scriptural songs that we could possibly be singing right now. Amen? Amen. Listen to Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. In other words, while I'm I'm on this earth amongst people, you are showing me in the eyes of all those around me your goodness, your favor, uh, your presence, and, it, and it's, look at, which you have laid up for those who fear you. Not, it's not, look at, look, at, look at me, it's not this kind of fear. It's that awe of God, you are so good. You've been so good to me. In the midst of turmoil, your presence is there. In the midst of chaos, you still manifest yourself. In the midst of me wanting to beat myself up because of my failures, my weaknesses, my character flaws, you still show that you love me. Amen? Amen. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who what? You're really convincing me. Blessed is the man who trusts in me. Trust in him. Can we read it together like like it means something to us? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Ready? One, two, three. Blessed is is the man man. who what? Trusts. Trusts in him. You want to be aware of the blessing of God in your life? Start trusting him. Start living your life like you trust. Start trusting him. Now, it's easy to say, well, I trust God when things are good. No, how about in the midst of calamity, in the midst of disaster coming out of left field that you didn't see coming, how about then let's start trusting him? Because that, that's the trust. Listen to me. You want to torment the devil? Who, wants, who would love to torment? Because he sure does enough tormenting of us. Who would love to torment the devil? You want to torment the devil? I'll show you how to do it. In the worst time of your life, lift your hands up and start praising God. When everything has fallen apart and it feels like the ground underneath you has disappeared, trust God. It drives the devil Crazy. He doesn't know what to do with the person that will worship God in the midst of turmoil. He doesn't know, he doesn't know what to do with the individual that though everything is stripped from them, they will still trust God. Amen. That'll drive him crazy. Amen. Hallelujah, I got myself excited. <laughs> Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. So the, the lyrics of this song just—they just—they're just full of, of, the, uh, of the goodness of God and the effect of His goodness has on our lives. His amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood, wholeheartedly my soul undeserving. I don't know if I don't know if we understand that we did not deserve the goodness of God. Well, I don't know about you, Pastor. I'm a pretty good person. We're so happy for you. (laughs) Now, when you come out of that delusion, you start understanding the realities of how we relate to God. You and I do not deserve his blessing. You and I, there's nothing that you and I can do that would earn the suffering that Jesus endured at the cross. It is an absolute, total manifestation of his goodness. It's his love. It's his grace toward us. And we better not thank you. And we better not ever, ever treat that lightly or treat it flippantly. It is the goodness of God that has brought us into this relationship with himself. Amen. Amen. First John chapter 4, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. How are we gonna live? Through. through him. Stop trying to live independent from him. Live through him. Let him live through you. And that ties back to trust. If you're going to trust him, then he'll be able to live through you. If you're not going to trust him, you're going to try to live on your own, he'll let you live on your own. How many of you found that out in life? God will let you drift away and live on your own if you really want to. How many of you like that? Mm -mm. you got to be crazy. Verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning. Say that word, please. Atoning. As an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is extremely important word. I know in our Western language, in our culture, we don't really use that word much. You know, it's related to the word atonement, okay? But atoning, an atoning sacrifice, listen to me closely, please. An atoning sacrifice, the best way for me to define that and to describe that to you is it is a sacrifice that clears everything that is blocking you and God. Best way I can explain it. And as I, as I painted this picture for the first service this morning, when I hear that, when I having understood what atoning sacrifice means, here's the best picture that I can give you. Maybe you'll, you'll see it a little clearer. When I study this and I think about this word atoning sacrifice, because they're sacrifices... Like, every culture has sacrifices for idols, okay? You want to have all, the, all the, the blingy things in life, and you want to have all the shiny stuff. You're going to sacrifice something to get that, to please that idol so that idol will be there. You're going to sacrifice your health. You're going to sacrifice possibly your marriage, your family. You're going to sacrifice your mental health because now you're going to work 16 jobs so that you can buy all the things so that people will say, look at what nice things you have. Okay? That's one type of sacrifice. This sacrifice here, the best picture I can give you is a snow plow. I'm not talking about the regular snow plows, the flat, like straight across snow plows. I'm talking about those ones that look like a triangle. Wait, how many know what I'm talking about? Okay? You see, when we have really heavy snow, they send those plows out. What does that do? It just just cuts right through, no matter how much snow is on the ground. It could be 20 inches of snow. When they use that snowplow, what does it do? It doesn't just push the snow, it parts it. You getting that picture? Yes. So you picture that snowplow coming down Brick Boulevard here, 24 inches of snow out there, and by the time they make one pass, you see, you see the pavement already. What is it doing? It's clearing the obstacles. That sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross cleared all, it cleared all the obstacles out of the way between us and God. Everything that, everything that stood between us, Jesus' blood, parted that. That, my friends, is the goodness of God. Amen. Because Jesus did not die to bring us into a religion. Amen. See, because a religion will say, okay, well, if you do this, that, and this, if you dress this way, if you eat this, don't eat that, then maybe you'll start progressing on your way to God. No, Jesus comes in and goes, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what I'm doing. Get behind me because here we go. And he, his blood, oh, my God, are you getting this? His blood has cleared the way. We instantaneously go from sinner to saved, not progressively. Are you listening to me? Re- I hope you're getting this. Religion gives you a progression. Say this prayer. Do this. Light this candle. Don't anybody get offended at me. Light this candle. Spin this bead, okay? Don't eat this at this time of the year. Don't eat that on a certain day. So then you'll start to feel closer to God. No, no, Jesus goes, get out my back. We're going. One, two, three, bam, parts the way. That is the goodness of God. And we better always appreciate the blood of Jesus because it's his blood that translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You listening to me? The goodness of God. Praise God. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Thank God he died for the ungodly. Because you and I were ungodly. You know, can we tell the truth? Sometimes you and I still act ungodly and he died for us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8, here it is, the goodness of God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and not one of us has been deserving of that amazing love. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he is good. So the song continues, Behold the cross. Age to age and hour by hour. The dead are raised. I like that part. The sinner saved. The work of your power. You know, I don't know that we realize this because the cross to us today has become, honestly, for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, really, ever since the early church, the cross, be, the cross became neutralized. They started putting it on top of buildings a couple hundred years after Jesus rose from the dead. We wear it as jewelry. We put it in our houses. We make decorative things out of it. But in the early church, the cross was the hardest thing for God's people to swallow. The cross. First century church, it, was, it represented the most vile, disgusting form of punishment. It was reserved for the very worst of criminals. In fact, in Roman society, the, the, the cross was so um, despised and it was so offensive that you would be considered completely inappropriate if you bought it up in public. If you were at somebody's house and you started talking about this form of execution, you would be considered ignorant, worse than that you would be considered the worst degenerate for bringing up that topic. That's how disgusting it was considered for someone to be executed that way. Yet, that's the very instrument that God chose to release his power into the lives of believers. 1 first Corinthians first, uh, chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, because they could not imagine. How would God allow this Messiah to die this kind of a death? And so it repulsed them. It caused them to back off. They said it's impossible. God would never allow his, his Messiah to suffer that kind of death. So to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, in other words, to the non-Jews, it was foolishness. Yeah, because they considered it such a vile thing. How could a God be loved and still subject this person to that kind of execution? Because they did not understand. But to those who are called, verse 24, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Thank God that Jesus did not shy away from the cross. Thank God, it's the complete goodness of God towards us that God allowed his only son, to suffer that way on the cross for your sake and for my sake. So now the song takes a turn. And it begins to declare the result of God's amazing love that's been made available to us as a sacrifice. I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I'm whole. I'm saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. So the result of this extravagant outpouring of love is the complete reversal of the curse that came upon mankind in the fall. You realize that? Everything on that list, everything on that list is the complete reversal of everything that came on mankind because of Adam and Eve's fall. The curse of sin that came upon this earth, Jesus came and reversed it. Amen? Amen. Sickness, death, abandonment insecurity, lack of self-worth, all canceled because of the goodness of God, and he would not allow us to remain separated from him without any remedy. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, this is a good verse of scripture, really stands out. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That tree he's talking about is the cross. Jesus took upon himself all that curse that came upon the earth. Verse 14 tells us what happened because of that, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, listen, I want to, before I go on any further, I want to I spend a little time on that verse of Scripture here. Uh, you guys can all see, right? You see, you see that word promise there? See that word promise? Okay, okay. Most people, most Christians, especially if you got born again during the time that I got born again, talking about 25, 30, what am I talking about? 30, yeah, like 35, 37, 38 years ago. Okay? That promise, if if somebody would have asked us then, what is that promise? What is the promise of Abraham? We would went, Deuteronomy 28. All the blessings. Oh, wealth, riches, influence, power, having a name. Uh, uh, having having entire generations after us being blessed, just blessed, and blessed, big houses, cars, swimming pools, multiple vacations throughout the years. That's what most people would have said is the blessing of Abraham. Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter twelve, and you follow the blessings, you follow the things that God promised Abraham. You say, "Well, yeah, I can see some of that blessings of cattle." Blessings of, of, to him having servants in his household. Blessings, wealth, influence, power. But when you come into the New Testament, you start to realize that all of that stuff is wonderful, but it's nothing compared to that promise because what God was really promising Abraham was this. I want to restore mankind back to the way it was before Adam and Eve fell. And the greatest promise that you can receive from God is not the health and the wealth, and we want that. God wants to give it to us. He delights in the prosperity of his servants. But if you have that prosperity without the promise of the Spirit, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. 'Cause if you got the Holy Ghost, you got everything. You got the Holy Ghost, you have the power of God, you have the seal that tells you yes you're saved, you know for a fact that you're saved on the inside. You have you have the creative part of the Trinity living inside you. You have the spirit of grace, the spirit of truth. You have the power of God all resident in you because you got the Holy Spirit. Somebody better say thank you. Now, we can't get to that part of the song and neglect reminding ourselves how important it is for us to declare the truth over ourselves. Words are powerful. You are who you are today, good, bad, and different, because of words that either somebody spoke over you or words that you spoke about yourself. Guaranteed. Listen to what it says in Proverbs. Proverbs 18. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his speech, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. What is the product of your lips? Words. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. In other words, which one do you love? Do you love death? That's what you're going to eat because you keep speaking death. Do you love life? That's what you're going to eat if you speak life. And I say, well, Pastor, how do I know what to speak? Speak what God says about you. But, Pastor, that's not what I'm experiencing right now. I understand that. But the only way you're going to change that is not to keep acknowledging what is. You're going to have to acknowledge what is supposed to be. Do you remember the most famous prayer in Scripture? Our Father... Who are how many of you sat in church and heard that over and over again? Come on, come on. I heard it over and over again, heard it over and over, and it didn't mean anything to you. But listen, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As it is. Do you hear what you just said? On earth, as it is where? No, most of us are speaking on earth as it is on earth. If you're going to keep acknowledging what's on earth, you're never going to get what's re- what's stored up in heaven. Jesus taught the disciples to pray. You pray for what reason? That whatever situation is on earth gets changed and becomes like what heaven. So you're going to change a situation not by keep saying, "I'm broke. I'm always broke." Can I understand why I'm broke? My mother was broke. My father was broke. My grandparents were <laughs> broke. I'm broke everybody i've known everybody in my family is broke my family is broke <laughs> guess what you're going to be <laughs> now but pastor it's the truth my, nobody in my family's ever made it we've always struggled okay so how's it going to change by well, you keep saying i'm broke or we've had financial difficulties up until this point but God said he's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Yes or no? Yeah, the fact right now you may be, uh, I I don't like to say broke, I call it in between prosperities. (laughs) So how are you going to bring God's will into that situation? You're going to keep saying, I don't know how to pay my bills this week. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to lose my car. I guess I'm going to lose my house. I guess it's just, no, no, no. What do you do? You start saying, yes, that's that's what we're facing right now. However, my God is a good God, and he has promised blessing. He has promised provision. In fact, he said he delights, he gets happy when he sees his servants prospering. You listening to me? You could say something like David said. David said, I've been young, and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children or seed begging for bread. Yet some people keep going, I don't know how I'm going to feed my kids. I don't know how. I guess there's no cereal in the house. There's no milk in the house. I don't know. Milk's up to $5 a gallon. Don't know how I'm going to do it. Box of cereal, six bucks. Don't know how I'm going to do it. You've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed, their children begging for bread. Which one sounds better to you? The complaining side or the speaking like God side? All right. It's out there if you want it. (laughs) Words are powerful, but guess what? What we sing is just as powerful. Tell me when it's time to quit. You guys want to go home now? Words are powerful. You don't believe me? How many of you grew up in a house where you're told you're no good, you're dumb, you're never going to amount to anything, you're going to be digging ditches like everybody else in the family? How how many? Come on, let me see your hands. How 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 many teachers, how many of you had teachers who told your parents, the kid is just too dumb? They won't learn anything. Did that have an effect on your life? Words are powerful. Words are powerful. They form things within us. And some of us carry those things for the rest of our lives. Start saying what God says, because God has never said in his word, you're no good. You're never going to mount anything. You're never going to accomplish anything. You're just like so-and-so, and you fill in the blanks. And it's usually always a person that never really accomplished too much. All right, pastor, shut up. You're hitting too many nerves here this morning. Words are important. We change things with words. Mark chapter 11, Jesus said, we shall have whatsoever we say. Oh, pastor, that stuff doesn't work. You have whatever you say. You said it doesn't work. Guess what? It works because you're not getting, I don't get any results when I put. You shall have whatsoever you say. You said you don't get any results. Guess what? You're not getting any results. It works. You're having what you say. I'll say it again until somebody catches on. You said, oh, pastor, this stuff doesn't work. I never get any results with that kind of stuff. You just proved that it works because you're getting what you said. You keep saying it doesn't work. You have whatsoever you <laughs> It works. It works both ways. See, that's the thing we don't like. It works both ways. It works when we speak negative. But guess what? Thank God it works when we speak. It works when we say stuff that's contrary to God's will. And it works when we say things that are in line with God's will. Which would you rather have? Then start speaking in line with what God says. But that's not what I'm saying. Honey, you're going to change what you see when you change what you say. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep going on. Let me ask you a question, all right? And I I know some of you have heard this before. Let me ask you this question. How many of you could say beyond the shadow of a doubt right now, you're born again? Let me see your hand. You're born again. Jesus Christ is your Savior. How did that happen? You spoke what? Words. What did you say? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord, be my savior. What did you do? You spoke what you believed. And that's what tells us in Romans that if we'll speak with our mouth, if we will confess with our mouth, if we will declare with our mouth, what well, we believe in our heart, we shall be saved. So, so you went, listen to me. This is how, so you went from the kingdom of darkness. You went from going to hell to going to heaven by speaking words. Not, God, hey, listen, God, I'm a good person. I did this, I did that. I bought groceries for so-and-so. I paid such-and-such a person's car payment off. I'm a good person. I didn't curse today. I was nice to everybody. Did that get your salvation? No. What got your salvation? You confessed with your mouth what you believed in your heart. Don't you realize that God was teaching us everything else in his kingdom operates the same exact way. You shall have whatsoever you say. So what did we say in the song? I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power. For what reason? For the glory of Jesus' name. Remember that. Now let's come down to the end of this thing and wrap this up. And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever. Psalm 34, 10, many, man, I wish that word wasn't in there. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And most people live like that's where it stops. Psalm 34, verse 10, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Do I have the wrong one up there? But whatever. Somewhere in Psalms it says, (laughs) many are the afflictions of the righteous. And most people stop right there. Most people stop right there. But the scripture goes on. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I'll say it again. Many are the afflictions. And this is what we like to put the emphasis on. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. Oh, it's like all hell is broken loose in my house. You don't know what I'm going through. And then, yeah, I, I kind of know what you're going through. Like, you know, we go through too. But let's not stop there at the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord delivers them out of them all. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart I have overcome the world and we're in him. Amen. So if he's overcome the world, then we've overcome the world. Amen. 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 Now, let me wrap this up. I know a lot of people have trouble with social media, especially in the church. People are, yeah, it shouldn't be. No, social media is is a, is a tool. It's equipment that's been placed in our hands. You could either it's like money. You can use it for good, or you can use it for evil. What you do with it is going to determine. Now, watch this now. I'm on my phone. And I'm going through these little videos. And I'm very careful which ones I watch, okay? You can't just watch anything. Turn to somebody and say, be careful what you watch. Okay? Because, you know, some of them will just pop up out of nowhere, Okay? But I came across this video, and it was this young man, not an internationally known minister. I don't even know if if the guy's in full-time ministry, a Christian, young man. And he intrigued me with this first statement. He read one verse of Scripture. I'm going to read that to you. John chapter 9. I wrote this contains a picture of the goodness of God that will melt your heart if you let it. John chapter 9, verse 1. Could you put that up there? And as he went, Jesus, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. As he went along, he, Jesus, saw a man blind from birth. And I did what you're doing now. I was waiting for the rest, because I know the story. I'm waiting for the rest of the story. But the rest of the story didn't come. The impact is in that statement. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man who could not see him. I'll say it again. Jesus stopped in his tracks because he saw a man who could not see him. And the goodness of God would not allow Jesus to pass by this man who didn't even know Jesus was there. That is the message of the goodness of God. That is the message of the gospel, that God in his goodness has searched for you even when you had no idea he even existed. When we were in darkness, when we were blinded with sin, God saw you and God saw me. We weren't looking for him. In fact, we were looking for every other way To get some kind of fulfillment in life, some type of joy, fill some type of need. And we had no clue that he had even taken notice of us. Jesus saw a man who was blind from birth. And in his goodness, he reached out to us. He sent someone to talk to you, had someone praying for you. He surrounded you with his love, his protection. And in the darkest hour, the goodness of God found you. Touched your eyes and made you see Jesus for who he is, the Lamb of God who sacrificed himself for you. He saw you at your worst so he could bring you into his best. That, my friends, is the goodness of God. And yet even now, many of us who have come to know him, we, we go through these bouts of, does God even know what I'm going through right now? Is God even aware of the difficulties in my life? Doesn't God know about this pain? Doesn't God know about this wound? Doesn't God know that I've just been betrayed? I've just been disappointed? I've just been, you fill in the blanks. He saw you. He knew you. He pursued you, and you had no idea he even existed. How much more now are we subject to his goodness that we've come back into relationship with him? Church, stop doubting that he loves you. (sighs) Stop doubting his goodness. Start having an expectation for good again. I know many of us have been through horrible things in the past few years. Some of us have been carrying stuff from the times we were kids, still battling, still navigating through the hurts and the wounds. Start stirring up an expectation for the goodness of God. Start trusting Him again. Stop given the glory to the devil who's been bouncing you around for years, attacking you in this place, in that place, in that area of life, in your soul, in your mind. Start trusting God again. Start looking for his goodness. It's there. He's aware of everything you're going through. The people around you may be blind to it, He's not. He knows the hurts. He knows the needs. He knows the desires. He's waiting for you to turn to him and release it all to him. He is good. Amen? Yeah. He's good. Can we sing that song again? Please? Stand up. Hallelujah.
1: share a quick story, and I believe it would be for someone. Um, When Pastor was sharing that scripture on how Jesus saw this man, and he didn't even see Jesus. He wasn't even aware of Jesus at that moment. I was reminded of a story that a woman told, and some of you may be in that place. You may feel like God is forgotten, or I'm in a moment of, um, you can get afraid sometimes, when you feel alone or he's forgotten, or uh, like, God, where are you? Like, Pastor was saying, and this woman had shared a story that w- I never forgot this story. It impacted me so much. And she said she was on a train um, in New York, and she said it was very busy, and there were so many people, and she had her little daughter with her, and she said that um, her little daughter got separated from her. And she said there were so many people in between where her and her daughter was. And she said her little daughter said, Mommy, I can't see you. And her mother's like, That's okay, honey. I've had my eyes on you this whole time. And she said when they were in the bus or the, the wherever they were, she said that little girl was so fearful because she thought that her mom had abandoned her because of all the people. And she couldn't see her mom but she said the whole time she said I had my eyes on her and she said I said that's okay honey I have my eyes on you so wherever you are right now wherever you're in he has you in his sight even though you may not feel him uh, you can't really grab a hold of him or whatever it is he has you in his sight and I want you to just hold on to that picture wherever you are that he's saying you may not be able to see me you may not be able to feel me because of all of these things in between us but i have not i have not gotten my eyes off of you so i just wanted to encourage you as we finish out singing this song to keep that picture because it it just resonated with me so much with what pastor was saying it was brought back to my remembrance as we finish singing out this song
0: thank you for your goodness father thank you for your faithfulness lord Thank you that your eye is upon us, Father. And no matter what we're going through in life, Father, no matter how dark, no matter how confusing, no matter how chaotic, you've never taken your eye off of us. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we're facing. And for that, we lift our hands up to you right now and just say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness, Father. Lord, I pray that we carry this with us as we leave this place today. Father, you've impacted our hearts with your goodness and we'll bless you all the days of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to reveal the goodness of God to us all from this point into our future, Father. No matter what we face, that you'll bring to our remembrance scripture this song that we would declare that we're blessed that we're called that we're healed that we're whole that we're saved father no matter what we feel like we will declare the truth in jesus name amen amen Amen. Amen. god bless you i pray that this (laughs) has been a blessing to you carry that goodness with you carry the awareness of his goodness with you into your lives amen God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the weekend.